Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. Do the show, bitch. Welcome to Ben and Woods. Try to say this nicely. When you look at Ben, Paul, and me, it doesn't scream athlete. I know you fat bastards want to eat some of this. With Ben Higgins. Go to hell, pro sports. Stephen Woods. <laughs> that was incredible. And Paul Reindel. All right. Get ready, tier ones. Oh. It's Ben and Woods. Finally the chance for somebody to get on and do some good sports talk radio. On 97.3 The Fan. Do the show, bitch. Last two hours of the week here on 97.3 The Fan for the Ben and Woods program. Paulie and Woods, gone, not forgotten, but playing fantasy baseball in Arizona. Sam Levitt sitting beside me. we got Italian Paul, Frank Marchese running the board as well until 10 o'clock. And our thanks again to Craig Elston for his Crossing Streams recommendation. We went in the reality television direction. And I'll admit, when you know Survivor first came out, I was absolutely hooked and obsessed for several seasons. Now, I haven't watched it in many, many years. Craig is still a diehard fan uh, you know, of Survivor and, and some of those other shows. I think what what I don't like about reality television is what I also I do like about sports. I love I love watching competitions, the unpredictability of it, but some of them got so scripted feeling like you know the producers are orchestrating things it would be like watching watching a football game where you knew the you know Roger Goodell was manipulating the outcome and you know he was setting up fake scenarios to make more drama right actually that actually works against you I think I I I like that there are boring football games and boring baseball games if every single one of them was cliffhanger and right to the end you'd know it wasn't real it takes you know living through something and the the slow moments to really appreciate the exciting ones and too many of those reality shows kind of started pushing the envelope too far to create the drama and you knew that the tension wasn't real on some of those shows and it started bothering me after a point yeah you you definitely know on a lot of these shows when the drama 
is manufactured versus when the drama is probably real. Like, I've watched a lot of The Bachelor, okay, at different times. Like, there have been near full seasons of The Bachelor, for whatever reason, that I've watched. But then there have been years that have gone by where I didn't watch a second of it. On that show, there's a lot of it that is so clearly manufactured. But you watch some other shows where... I always felt like it was a little bit different. Um, It's funny that Craig mentioned Below Deck because that's one reality show that I actually really like right now. That's the only show, the only reality show I really watch. That's the one about the private yacht crew that has different passengers come on board. Now, you'll you'll watch because they have all different... series of the franchise they've got below deck med they've got below deck adventure sailing yacht they've got below deck itself those are three that i can think of there are more um the the problem with below deck and with some of these reality shows is that you can almost predict what the controversies are going to be like there's only so much content and so many controversies that you can get out of being on a yacht where every episode is kind of the same. The guests get on, they have meals, the chef has drama, there's drama between the crewmates. You know. So it's not great. Ultimately, but I like it. Would you be on a reality show? Yes. You would. Absolutely. And which one or um couple of ones would you pick? Well, to I've, go I've on? sort of been fantasizing about being on below deck because I watch it so much. So you'd and, be a passenger, well, not a crew no, no, member. No, 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 no. no you want, I, want to be a crew I member. I want to be a crew member. And I just, I think it'd be very interesting. I think it's a very interesting life, forgetting even the reality TV show part, the idea of working on a on a super yacht in a beautiful part of the world, a little bit different, and I think that would be fun for a couple of years. I could see myself on that kind of adventure. Frank, would you uh, would you be on a reality show? Absolutely Given not. the opportunity, no. Absolutely Frank has not. no interest. I, I would go now, like if it were a... Uh, like a romantic reality show, like a Love is Blind type situation, Bachelor type situation, I think I'd be way more hesitant because that's kind of out of my realm. But reality show in general, like the fame aspect of it, if you know if you know me, I'm in. Well, I have no interest <laughs> in um, suffering like on Survivor right. and living outdoors or anything like that. So I'm out on that. I really don't want to be on camera 24 hours a day. I value the quiet moments too much to know that there's always a camera sitting out there so things like you know the big brother genre of shows i don't think i'd like if there was one show that i'd ever consider going on and have actually thought about like sending in a tape for is the amazing race i think that's Mm. a a very cool program you know wholesome you got the challenges i wouldn't want to have to do any of like the bungee jumping ones though that would be terrifying for me that would make it very hard but i've always enjoyed a program like that and and that would be the only one that i would probably ever consider doing yeah i get that i would i think well see i don't know if i would do the the really physically demanding ones like amazing race i would i don't know maybe like an mtv real world situation hey, rex ryan was on the last season of the amazing really race. Now he only lasts like three episodes, but he can do it. I, I figure anyone can, yeah. you know, manage getting through it, and you know, to get to see the world. I, I think that would be interesting. Now, there's one show I definitely would not want to be on. I don't know if it's a reality show or a sport, but it debuted this week. Have you seen Dana White's the, Yeah Power Slap? I I saw clips of it on social media. I was not a fan. As far as I it can did not tell, look fun to watch. As far as do. I can tell, it's a competition. The sole purpose of it is you have two people who stand 
you know, face to face, and one slaps the other with an open hand in the face as hard as they possibly can. And they keep going back and forth until someone is knocked down or knocked out. It I don't understand the appeal of of doing this over and over again. And there were some I saw a couple of clips. I mean some gnarly absolutely gnarly punches to the head yeah uh you know people get medical treatment once they went down is that appealing for folks to watch to to see just someone get pummeled it may be to some it's not to me. now we had that viral I, I find that so we had that whole viral video thing where you're trying to get people to spit the water out of their mouth recently well that, well, that was yeah, but, but that wasn't as those slaps that wasn't were as, not yeah, as that brutal, wasn't no. as gnarly as what they're doing here right um, we're talking like strong did you, did athletic you people the, did you who are see slapping the, each other in the head did you see the um the thing on and maybe this is what you're talking about where people were slapping each other with the tortillas yeah they, that was the tortilla okay thing, it was yeah. the tortilla that was big on tiktok for a while i did not participate in that tiktok trend See, now I, I would hate getting in the fa- hit in the face for any reason, right. but these these are like athletic people who are absolutely whacking yeah, each other I, on the side I, of the head. I saw the clips. I'm not into it. I, look, I'm not a huge boxing guy or UFC guy, and, and I understand there are a lot of people that are into it. I just I, I don't do the the brutal physical combat. It's it's not my nature. It it scares me. The injuries can be really gruesome and. You know the head injuries now. I just I'm I'm not into it. But look, look I I get that some people would find it entertaining. And, and if you haven't seen what they're talking about, I want to make very clear: this is not like the Ultimate Fighter. This is not two guys working around trying to slap each other. Mm-mm. It's you stand on one end of the table, I'll stand on the other table. I'm going to smack you as hard as I can in your face, and you're going to do it to me. That's it. It's just slapping each other. It's not like a fight. It's not anything like that. Well, it's, it, it's like one of those things that you would imagine you would see, you would see like a clip of from some really obscure league somewhere in the world, right? But this is like, like, what was it? Was this on TV? And this like, and has major backing. I think that was like a, a big difference in in the videos that were out yesterday, right? It was like this is this is like a legitimate. No, this is a legitimate. Yeah, yeah, Dana White. It's on TBS. Right. Well, that yeah, that was the thing. Right? I mean, it's on. It's on real TV. It's on real cable television. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the reactions. Uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, the receiver, posted a, a. I mean, he just happened upon it, and he was like shocked. He was actually shocked. He said, "This is some crazy s right here." He was doing a little <laughs> video. He said, "They're just smacking the bleep out of each other." Oh my gosh! Just watching this, it's also getting some criticism from. From doctors, uh, you know, neuro, neuroscientists, neurologists who go, this is not okay for people, even with an open hand, right. they're hitting each other in the head so so hard that they're risking significant brain injury. In fact, um, you know, just watching the first episode, uh, a doctor who was uh, commenting on Yahoo, Yahoo had a story, he said, I see brain injury right there, just, just on that first contact. Uh, that they make that it's clearly you know going to create some traumatic brain injury concussions something like that by just slapping each other in the head right how much money are they making to that's even a do good this? question i don't, I even don't know i don't know i mean probably nowhere near what you should be making for getting punched in the face but it's um yeah just debuted uh just a couple days ago on tbs so. yeah uh, you know, Dana uh, by the way, I, this. I would say that is not a reality show i mean that's uh it's more a sport i guess Unless it's, I guess scripted. it's a sport. I mean, you know, it's it's Dana White. I guess it's kind of a an offshoot of MMA of of sorts, uh, just without the the rest of the athleticism. It's just your ability to to take it 
and dish it out and take it again over and over and over again. Right. I also feel like this would get really old to watch. Like, how long was was the, uh, well, was yeah, the exactly. whole there's, show? Yeah, there's not. I mean, there's not a lot of variation in terms of <laughs> no. what you can do. I mean, how how often can you watch this? Just a person get slapped in the face over and over again. You lose. Just like a viral video, it'll lose its novelty after just yeah. a few minutes, right? Yeah, I don't get it. I wouldn't do it. No, no way. No, of course not. But below deck, I'm but below in. deck, you are. I'm absolutely... in. They want me to be the deck hand. They want me to be. If I knew how to cook, the chef. They want me to work uh, uh, on the. They call it like the interior where they um, uh, they they do the stuff in the rooms. They do the laundry. They help in the in in the uh, with the chef. All kinds of. Stuff. There's all different kinds of jobs. I would do any of the jobs happily if it meant getting a little bit of a below-deck fame. Did you hear us talking about the other show on TLC, the the MILF Manor show that debuted this I, I, week as so well? So I woke up at about 5.45, and I was listening around 6.10. This was in the, in the first hour, right? Uh, I was listening around 6.10. I briefly heard about the moms having to feel the the abdomen of the yeah, sons the, to know who so they, they are blindfolded I, I heard then, a little slice yeah, so of it. it's it's a it's a show with you know the you know 40 and 15 year old 50 year old mothers and then the other contestants are they're like young 20 something sons and they have them all shirtless and the moms are blindfolded and they have to basically grope them to figure out which one's their own kid it's, it's what, what, it, what is gnarly. this what is this on it's on tlc Oh, it's on actual TV. It's on actual television. Oh, so yeah, this it, is not okay. this is not something some okay. dark web internet right. channel. So, this so, is it, so it actually it, it as well. Okay, so it must be kind of appropriate no, because it's on No, it's not. There's, there's nothing But it's on TLC, so how bad could it be? It's, well, I mean, to me just that one segment was as bad as it's going to get. It's at least for wow. me it's as awkward and that's cringy. Weird. Maybe that's what people are looking for in their entertainment. They want to be shocked. They want to make. They want to feel awkward and uncomfortable while they're watching television. And if that's uh, if that's it, that's the show for you. That's wild. That, that just debuted this week. Do you like? Um, do you like like the? See, I don't know if this counts as a reality show. Like, do you like Impractical Jokers? You like those kinds of shows that are the the hitting camera got you funny? Shows? I do not. Okay. I do. I do not. I always feel like. I mean, I'm always nervous here, just sitting with Woods for four hours that he's going to. Do something to me, and he does. He plays, you know, the occasional practical joke on me, and I pretty much live in terror. So, no, I would not want to be on one of those shows. Somebody tweeted in. Uh, they said, uh, "Slap boxing is hilarious." Is that what that's called? Slap boxing. That that, see- so that's an actual. Well, I don't sport. know. I don't know. I, but that that would seem like an appropriate. It's name. a good. Slap it, I mean, it would boxing. be boxing. It's a good name for it. If that's if that's not what it's called, then it absolutely could be called slap boxing. Except in boxing, you're trying to avoid getting hit, and in this sport, right. there's no avoiding the punch. It's just coming. Uh, you know, it's, you're just waiting for yourself to get smacked in the face. Yeah. I, I just duck every time. It's like no, I, I couldn't stand there and let someone smack me in the face right. without trying to get out of the way. Right. There must be strategy. Yeah, for as much as I'm sure the slapper has strategy and tries to build strength or whatever it is, there must be also a strategy for when you are well, I, the yeah. one getting hit I would, of, I would of how thi- to get I hit. would think that, yes, I mean, if you can hit really, really hard, it's probably good. But the the champion's the person who can, who can take, take it, it more yes. than can dish it out. Everyone can dish it out at an open-handed slap. It's the taking of the slap without <laughs> falling down, without reacting. That would be the... The much much harder part of that game in my mind. All right, let's let's move on. We've got some Padres talk coming up. Kevin Charity from Mad Friars is going to join us here at the bottom of the hour. They've come out with their new 
Padres prospect ranking list. We saw Baseball America's top 100 come yeah. out this week with a couple of Padres on the list, but we want to get a little deeper into those Padres prospects. So we'll do that coming up and then much more with Sam Levitt, Ben Higgins going until 10 o'clock here. We'll be back after a check of traffic on 97.3 The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Guess what? It's a Boomer and Valenti night. You can tune in to kick off with Boomer and Valenti tonight at 6 o'clock. Former NFL MVP Boomer and Mike Valenti going to Break down all the NFL news, preview the playoff matchups right here on 97.3 The Fan. Again, that's at 6 o'clock tonight. Listen, a little reaction to our reality show talk. Uh, Ocean Andy 84 tweets in, absolutely with you, Sam, on the below deck talk. I could do that job for a few years. Uh, Ryan Lieber says, I'd be on MTV's Challenge, no doubt. Not one I've watched a ton of. Uh, well, I used to watch Real World Road Rules Challenge a lot. I think that may be the reboot of that. I'm not sure. These were shows that I watched like when I was yeah 11. It's a, it's been a while. And then uh, EC Preps tweets: the Power Slap show was so bad that it only had 295 thousand viewers, which isn't much for a national mm. cable show on cable on TBS. A point one zero rating despite a big lead-in from AEW Wrestling, which had about a million yeah. viewers. So it turned off more people than it had tuning in uh, to see people uh, whack the you know living heck out of each other. It would seem the slapping would be very good for the occasional social media clip. I, I, I find it hard to believe, without ever watching it before, I find it hard to believe it would maintain my attention for more than a few minutes. So not surprising. So, uh, Sam, you're still uh, relatively new to San Diego. Yes. Um, one of the um, one of the ways we honor our sports stars in this town is the Breitbart Hall of Fame. Uh, it used to be actually at the Hall of Champions in Balboa Park, but now you've probably seen it. Uh, it's at Petco Park down the left field line. As you walk uh, kind of under the yes. Western Metal Supply Company building, you can see the plaques, uh, the honorees of, of some of the great San Diego sports stars of past years. And they induct... Uh, Two or three new members each year. Tonight is the annual dinner oh, uh, for the good. San Diego Sports Association. Our friend Annie Heilbrunn oh. uh, puts that on now. And they're going to induct three new members into the Breitbart Hall of Fame tonight. Uh, a couple, um, I wasn't that familiar with one of them, Laurel Brassy, who was a volleyball player.
player from the 1970s who uh, ended up playing in the Olympics for the U.S. national team, but I did not realize until I, I read about it in the UT that she actually played for the men's team at San Diego State one year in 1974. Wow. She was that good as a setter and a defensive player, and the team had just won a national championship the year before, but they lost some players, and uh, she was having some friction with the women's coach and said, all right, well, I'm going to play on the men's team, and they allowed it to happen, and she she held her own, and a very impressive story and a good write-up today in the UT. So she's going in. Uh, Rachel Bueller, uh, who is uh, a fellow Tory Pines Falcon, uh, was on the U.S. women's national team, won gold medals at the 2008 and 2012 Olympics, was a star at Stanford as well on the soccer field. Uh, she's now Rachel Bueller Van Hollebeck, and she's a doctor, uh, which is cool that she's gone on after her athletic career to start a, a second career, you know, giving back and helping people. So she'll be honored tonight. And then the third member is Antonio Gates, mm. uh, the Chargers tight end, Played 16 seasons in the NFL for the Chargers. I covered his first 14 years when they were still here in San Diego. So I got to know Antonio quite well over the years. Um, that was never failed to mention on any telecast he was ever on. Did you know that Antonio Gates played basketball right. in college, not <laughs> football? He was on the Kent State basketball team where they made a run, I believe, to the Elite Eight uh, the year that he was a senior in college. But he uh, was a little undersized for a basketball player, and uh, everyone said you've got the perfect body for a tight end. He didn't, you know, he hadn't played since I think high school, but uh, ended up undrafted, signed with the Chargers, and turned himself into an All Pro year in and year out. Really nice guy to cover. I always enjoyed Antonio Gates, but one thing that I can kind of tie it into here with the the Padres is that in 2015. Antonio Gates was suspended for four games for testing positive for a performance-enhancing drug. Mm. And he had to come back from that, and it was obviously difficult with the spotlight that he even faced NFL players. And it's maybe nothing like baseball you know, coming back where there seems to be even more of a stigma. There's, there's just a little bit less of a stigma in football, but enough that it was, it was a serious thing when he was coming back and something he had to deal with. And, of course, it's something that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to deal with when he comes back from his suspension on right. April 20th. And you know, I think one part of the story of this season is, you know, first of all, will he still be the player that he was before when he comes back? And then the other part is emotionally, mentally, how do you deal with that with the, you know, the changing in attitudes? You know, Fernando Tatis Jr was pretty beloved even in road ballparks in the first years of his career. You know, kids waiting for autographs. Will it be the same way? Will he face way more hecklers than he used to? You know, fans can try to get under the skin. And how is he going to handle that aspect of it when he returns from his PED suspension? I think both aspects of it are going to be true over the course of the season. I think he's going to have to prove both of those things. The physical aspect, this is a player that has not played in a Major League Baseball game, Ben, since October 3rd, 2021. It will be April 20th, 2023, when he returns. So from a physical standpoint of not playing in a real Major League Baseball game for that long, he's going to have to answer that question. And, oh, by the way, he had wrist surgeries. He had a shoulder surgery. 
I'm sure he's rehabbing. I, I, I'm sure that he, hey, he well, may, we saw a video he yesterday. May, Hector Gomez posted right, a video of him running of him in slow doing motion. A, 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 yeah, sprints in slow motion. Uh, I mean, he, in slow motion, he looked kind of like me in regular speed running down the hallways right. here. I could probably, I could might be able to beat. <laughs> do you think I could run faster than Fernando Tatis Jr. in slow motion? Um, I guess it depends on how slow the slow motion right, is. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, the the physical aspect of it, and I'm not going to make believe I'm a doctor, is interesting because obviously, look, he's had surgeries. But for, for all we know, he's ultimately going to be a healthier player because he got the shoulder fixed. And um, I don't know, maybe the wrist is eventually stronger uh, as he gets older. I don't know. Um, but look, he's going to have to prove on a number of different levels the, the physical ability and just the pure baseball ability for somebody who um, has now gone through some surgeries and not played in a real game since October 3rd, 2021. Um, but I'm with you, Ben. Maybe the more interesting part is the rest of it. And I look, I, I think he's, unfortunately, he's going to face a lot of booing and criticism and questions when he, the, the team travels on the road. And um, and this team goes to other ballparks. And maybe in some cities it's it's a little bit more so than others. But you're right. He left. When he, when he played that last game in October of 2021, he was around baseball, one of the young faces of the game, and beloved. A lot has happened since that last game, and look, in the eyes, maybe not here in San Diego, um, where I think, you know, hey, and especially if he gets off to a nice start and he's back to the guy that everybody loved here on the baseball field, um, I think a a lot of people have already forgiven him, and a lot will continue to do so here in San Diego. I'm not very worried about that, but elsewhere... Yeah, it's it's going to be a process, and I'm intrigued to see how he handles that on a day to day basis. And we we don't know exactly even what he did. We we heard his story. And right, you can believe it, you can not believe it. Some people will will just assume that yeah he was doing every steroid in the book and just got unlucky and got caught. And other people will say yeah he just he took the wrong supplement that he didn't read a label once, and you know we shouldn't hold this against him forever. We don't know where. The truth necessarily lies probably somewhere between A and B, but uh, I can tell you that he'll he'll at least say that it doesn't bother him that he's just there to as he always does in his mild mannered sort of way when he meets with the media. No, just play baseball, be myself, go out and you know try to help the team win. But at some point, it it might take a toll. You know, the the reaction to you is different than it was before. And we talked about it, I I think, last Friday when I was on the show uh, about. You know this process of him coming back and and how he'll deal with all of this. Look, I, I think it's great he's going to be at Fan Fest. Um, look, look, the sense I get, and I think you get it too, Ben, is that people here in San Diego are ready uh, to move on and, and move forward, really, with it. And look, he's he's hopefully going to be a very very important part of this team in 2023, a year where the Padres are trying to win a World Series. So from that perspective, I think a lot of people are, are ready to move forward. It's it's a super intriguing aspect of this season. How he comes back, what he does on the field, what transpires off the field, how he deals with those things, but we talked about it last week. The good thing for Fernando Tatis Jr., he's 24 years old. He's got I don't know, a decade, 15 years, however long his career ends up being, to make this right again. He's going to have every opportunity in his career because of his age, because of his talent, because of his personality, his charisma, 
to make this right and make it so in a decade uh, or maybe when this contract with the Padres is coming to an end, you know, the, the last year or so is uh, a footnote and something we remember but don't dwell on. By the way, Antonio Gates, uh, this year, 2023, will be his first year of eligibility for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. Now, by the numbers, he's an absolute Absolutely. slam dunk first first ballot choice. Now, will a PED suspension dissuade some people from voting for him? Will they make him wait at all? And will the same thing, you know, hopefully Fernando Tatis Jr. will have to, we'll see that question in, you know, 20 years that, you know, when he's eligible yeah. for the Hall of Fame and puts up insane numbers, will that be held against him, you know, from a, a mistake that happened early in his career? If he has no other incidents, will he fly into the Hall of Fame at some day? Again, way ahead of ourselves, yes. but you can certainly see, at least he's that good that you can certainly see that being something we're talking for about sure. in the year 2043. Do they put media in this Hall of Fame? In the uh, which Hall of Fame? The San, the, uh, the San Diego Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, not that I have ever noticed. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Jerry Coleman was obviously in, so I guess they, you know, I guess there are some media members, but he was, um, he was also the manager of the Padres for right. one year. If but. if they do or if they end up doing so, I Ben, I think one day, one day I can, I can, I you're a dare, safe bet. Dare to dream. You're going in. Dare Why not? There's uh, definitely some people who Why are ahead not? of me in line. Of the legendary Ben and Woods program, <laughs> forty years in. Oh my goodness, uh, Woodsy will kill me by then. Forty years with Woods in the morning, getting up that early. <laughs> Woods' his kids, they'll 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 be ready to, uh, or maybe they'll have their own show here on ninety seven three. The fan. I'll, I'll, I'll nominate Woodsy for it if he can if he can make it that long as well. All right, let's take a break. We'll have Kevin Charity from Mad Friars uh, join us as we go through their new Padres top prospects list. Looks very different once again than it did twelve months ago. Uh, lots of changes. A lot of people out. A few new people in as well. We'll get to that coming up next. Ben, Sam Levitt now in for Woodsy on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Again, and listen to 97.3 The Fan on the Odyssey app. We're on 97.3 The Fan SD.com for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles at Pechanga Arena on March the 3rd. You'll earn one entry for every hour you listen. You know what? Catch the legends while you still have a chance. Uh, lost David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, and Nash yesterday. So you never know when you get a last chance to see some of your favorite bands, but a chance to uh, win tickets to see the Eagles mm. on March 3rd at Pechanga Arena. We've got Kevin Charity from Mad Friars standing by. New Padres top prospects list is out. How many times is Chad Bianco going to trip me up on that one <laughs> that I never see it coming? But all right, uh, it is the time of the year for baseball lists. You know, they're good oh, things yes. to fill. There are so many lists flying around we, we, right now that I don't care about. Much, this one I do, though. We've pretty much had all the free agent signings. We're still a few, a few weeks away from spring training, so we need lists to fill out our baseball talk. In fact, in fact uh, inside the show, Ben 
texted me yesterday, hey, you know, if you have any, like, interesting Padres conversations to bring up, let me know. I, I thought about it all night, and I, I'm, I'm out. I mean, MLB Network <laughs> is going day-to-day, ranking the top ten players at every position, and stretching this out for, like, two weeks. I'm like, what so, haven't we talked about? You know what? I think Padres prospects is a great thing great. to talk about right yes. now. And joining us from madfriars.com on our premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline is our friend Kevin Charity. Kevin, good to have you back on with Ben and Sam Levitt this morning on 97.3 The Fan. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, first of all, there always has to there has to be some sort of rules when you're compiling lists and you're putting together the Mad Friars' top Padres prospects. I guess my first question is, how, how do you deal with Luis Camposano? Is he a prospect? Is he not a prospect? He wasn't on the Baseball America Top 100 for the Padres anymore. But, you know, is that because his stock has dropped, or is that because he's expected to be a full-time big leaguer this year, at least, a, you know, as a Padres backup catcher at this point? Um, you know, I, I know Baseball America has their own formula that differs a little bit from some of the other lists. For us at Mattifiers, we don't consider him a prospect anymore because he would not technically be eligible for rookie of the year uh, just based on his um, you know, sort of sign he has. And so that's simply why he hadn't been ranked. If he had been ranked, he would have easily been in the top three or four for me for sure. Interesting. I, I want to stay on Campusano for a second. Even though he's not on the list, and I understand the, the rookie of the year implications and things like that, Kevin, would you agree that at this point, based on what he did in the minor leagues, the success he has, the kind of prospect he was, and really what's what's not been very much experienced in the major leagues, would you agree, Kevin, that we that we don't quite know yet what Luis Campusano is and what that potential is in the major leagues? Because that's what I think. I agree with you, yeah. I think when you look at his results and the fact that he's basically spent two full years at AAA, there's, there's really no need for him to be there. Um, you know, last year his numbers were down in AAA from where they were in 20, uh, 2021, but, you know, that was really the byproduct of one pretty poor month he had in July uh, where he had like a 630 OPS. Mm. You take that away, like he still hit, and he finished really strong in August, came back and hit six home runs that month. Um, I think the concern with him, especially with the Padres being obviously a contender, is that they have a veteran catcher that they like. They have a veteran pitching staff, and so it's really hard to acclimate a, you know, a rookie into that, you know, that mix full time. But I think with his offensive potential and the fact that you know, with the DH being there, um, I think there's really no reason for him to to, to return to AAA. And you know, my expectation would be that he's the, the number two catcher behind Nola, and ideally he pushes Nola because I think his offensive potential. Um, you know, he has a chance to be a really special catcher behind the plate in terms of, you know, his offensive ability. And I think you got to try to see how that plays out for sure. If there's one area that remains a bit up in the air for the Padres heading into spring training, it's the fifth starters role. Yes, they, they signed Seth Lugo, but I don't think anyone would be that upset if he ended up playing a key role in the bullpen as he's done most of his career with the Mets. So, is there someone on this list or a couple of players, an in-house option potentially for that fifth starter's role? Um, yeah, there is. There, the, the, the players that are on that list aren't the most inspiring in the world where you're, you know, there's not like some – there's not a McKenzie Gore in the wings like there was last year. Um, you know, Jay Groom is the most obvious choice. On, on my list, I had him at number 10. Um, I know John Conniff, when he did his list, had him a lot higher than getting him at four. 
Um, but he's someone that pitched really well down the stretch with, with El Paso. I think when he came to the Padres and, you know, pitching in El Paso is really difficult with the elevation and everything. And he held his own and pitched really well. And, you know, down the stretch, his last, last 16 innings he pitched in, and he only gave up two runs and walked uh, one batter in that time. Um, and, you know, his control at times has been a little bit iffy. But he finished on a really positive note, and he's, I think, one of the guys, when you're looking at young players, obviously, that aren't established, he's someone that is really intriguing to me because he has that pedigree. He's a 12th overall pick, I believe, in 2016, 2017 when he was drafted. And, you know, the stuff hasn't necessarily played up. Um, I know there's been some conditioning issues with him, but I think if he comes in, you know, in the right frame of mind, you know, his stuff is probably the best of those guys. And you still have, like, Reese Kinnear, um, and Pedro Avila, who's mm. you know again, they're, they have they've had flashes um, in the in the big leagues where they've you know they've played a little bit, but those are probably the guys there that are technically prospects. And then you have you know Ryan Weathers is still there. Um, he had a really poor season um, in 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 El Paso. I think the concern for me, at least with him, even though he wouldn't necessarily qualify as a prospect, obviously, is that you know he if you filter in the Pacific Coast League for pitchers that have. Uh, the pitch 50 innings or more, he had a seventh lowest strikeout rate. Um, so he wasn't missing bats in, in El Paso, and that's just a recipe for disaster. Obviously, then maybe that problem is um, is helped a little bit by pitching in the big leagues behind the Padres' defense and playing at Petco Park. But I mean, those are probably your depth options. You know, once you get behind, you know, what's on the active 26 man roster right now. Kevin, on your list, Jackson Merrill, unsurprisingly, was your number one prospect in the organization. I know he's dealt with some injury issues the last couple of years, but when he's been out there, he's been really good. I've talked to a lot of people that really, really like Jackson Merrill and just say a lot of great things about him. What have you heard about Jackson Merrill? What have you seen from Jackson Merrill? And uh, with the way the Padres are constructed right now, uh, well, shortstop is is covered with Xander Bogarts for for years to come, and um, potentially some other positions as well. So, so how do you view Jackson Merrill entering 2023? Yeah, I mean, he's clearly the top guy in their system. Um, he's the most talented guy. I think a lot of what we what I heard about him is just you know from you know from the people that. You know, the coaching staff and different guys and like Elsinore is, you know, the character and you know, the, the makeup, the leadership, whatever you want to call that is, is off the charts. You know, if that was a, a tool, it'd be like 80 grade. Um, but, you know, what he did on the field, um, one of the things that really impressed me about him is his approach at the plate. Like he hits the ball really hard the other way and down the stretch, especially in August, September, uh, you know, in Lake Elsinore, uh, he started hitting the ball out. You know, he hit four home runs in August and he just really started hitting the balls with authority the other way. He was, he reminded me a lot of Robert Hassel in the sense that, you know, when you got to the end of the year, had the season extended like another month, for example, I think he would have been promoted to Fort Wayne just because you could tell he was just probably too good to play at that level. I mean, he just doesn't make solid contact. You know, the power, I think, will develop. Um, yeah, long-term where he fits fits into the Padres infield is, is, is to remain to be seen. He can move around and play second. And maybe he could play third. But I think also, too, you know, I think – it's funny because the focus on Matt Friars, at least, you know, since I've been there has shifted to who's the second baseman shortstop of the future to who can they trade to get what they need. And I think, you know, look at Mir- you know, looking at Mural on the, on the national list, I think he's in the top 20 in, in baseball America's list. Uh, you know, he's someone that, you know, if they don't use him in the big league level, I think he's somebody that if they have uncertainty in their rotation in June or July, I think he could be the you know, piece of, of them getting a, a nice, 
player to help them with hopefully you know a World Series run. But yeah, I think he's a legitimately um, got a, a future in the big leagues. I mean, if I were if I were betting, I, I would almost certainly think he he develops into a, a very solid big league player. Talking Padres prospects with Kevin Charity from MadFriars.com here on Ben and Woods. And uh, outside of Jackson Merrill, the only other top 100 prospect on the Baseball America list, at least, Kevin, was Dylan Lesko, uh, the pitcher who the Padres uh, took in the draft last year. Now, we we really haven't gotten to see him at all because of the Tommy John surgery. So what what are the expectations? Where is Where is this love for Dylan Lesko coming from? I think a lot of it is just, you know, Tommy John surgery just isn't the kind of, you know, the the ominous sign it used to be. I think we've seen guys, especially young guys, bounce back from it without without issues. Um, You know, I think that the love for him is had he not been hurt, he probably would have been in contention to be the top pick in the draft. Um, You know, before his injury, he's thrown 97, has a great changeup and a curveball that, you know, a lot of scouts and people that, you know, that follow the stuff a lot more closely than I do think that it's going to develop into at least an average, if not above average pitch. So talking about a guy with an upper 90s fastball with, you know, two above average pitches, you know, there's been talk about maybe him learning a slider at some some point and he should have the ability to do that. Um, I, I think he... He's someone that you kind of had to look at, like, really last year and this year is kind of like he's redshirting because he had Tommy John in April of last year. When the season opens, he'll be about a year out. And my expectation would be that he's going to be in the, the complex league, at least, you know, when he's able to pitch again and barring any setbacks or anything unforeseen. But I think the the thing for me is that, you know, he has the op- the opportunity to, to be a front of the rotation starter. They don't really have another pitcher in their in their farm system, in my opinion, that you can say that about. They have some really good young starting pitchers, but he's the guy that with you're talking three, you know, two elite pitches and one that's above average. I mean, you're talking about a top of the rotation guy that, you know, this team, you know, with the payroll they have, they're going to need to have some of these younger pitchers or younger players sprinkled in there. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think he's going to be someone who's going to be able to help them in the next couple of years, but his potential um, is off the charts. And I'm really looking forward to him being healthy so we can see him pitch because he's someone that I think, could move fast, and I think with with his talent, um, you know, I think he's one of the better pitching prospects they've had in, in a few years outside of Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, Lesko is is really interesting, and and one of the things you said there, Kevin, his changeup even coming into the draft, really really good, like a really advanced pitch. So when you when you pair that with the fastball, like I I totally understood reading about him. Uh, around the draft last year, why people felt like the Padres almost got a steal because this was a guy who, if not for the Tommy John, could have been, like you said, a, a top five, a top three pick. So that uh, he's really exciting, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, there was big Padres news earlier this week, really before that with the rumblings that the Padres would sign 16-year-old catcher Ethan Salas, number one international prospect. I met him at uh, Petco Park earlier this week. It, it's hard to look at the video, read about him, meet him, talk to him, and not come away super, super impressed, even though he's only 16 years old. You made the list on mattfriars.com before the Padres officially signed him. Where would you fit him on this list? And uh, what do you think the Padres do with him uh, in the next year as far as where he might play this summer? Yeah, I mean, I'd comfortably slot him at number three for sure um, behind Miro and Lesko, and you can even make an argument that he should be sandwiched in between them and number two. 
Um, you know, the, the thing with international prospects that's, that's tricky, especially when you're signing a 16-year-old is, you know, and I think we've mentioned this on Twitter, is, you know, the variance that you get is, you know, a guy like Luis Almanzar, who they signed for $4 million in 2016 and never made it at a high A. And then you go from, like, Fran and Tatis, who obviously, you know, you know pre-injury and, and, and pre-last year was a superstar. So, you know, hopefully he's on the, uh, you know, on the, the superstar track. But with a 16-year-old, it's just so hard to know. But I think, you know, having a 16-year-old with the advanced hit tool that he supposedly has, you know, they're talking about the best catching prospect in years, left-handed swinging catcher, you know, to, to add that, you know, with the fact that he's going to be able to stick defensively behind the plate you know, with his arm and, you know, his catching, you know, ability is, is above average already. A lot of those guys would say, hey, maybe they stick here, but they're more of a bat first. And he's just super well-rounded. And I think the, the offensive potential where you're talking about a guy who's 60, you know, listed at 6'2 at 180, you can see the projection in there that, if, you know, if he can add 20, 25 pounds of muscle, um, and you're talking about a left-handed swinging catcher that um, has the ability to not only hit for average, but hit for power. I mean, I think that the he got some Joe Maurer comps, which obviously is probably premature, but adding a guy like that, especially, you know, had he been a, you know, el- an eligible pick, just looking at what he signed for in his talent. And you're, you just basically added another first round pick. Mm. Um, that's really, really exciting. And, um, you know, with 16 year old, you just don't know how it's going to go, but I think he's probably, I mean, even going back to, to 2016 when they spent a hundred million dollars, I think, Maybe outside of Morahone, he's probably the most international, uh, the, the most exciting international prospect they signed since I've been I've been covering the site since 2015. Um, he's just really someone I'm looking forward to. In terms of where he starts, I mean, I, I could see them bringing him stateside and letting him be in the a- ACL this summer um, and, and be an extended spring. But yeah. Um, He's going to be probably the, the guy to watch this season. Mm. Kevin, we're out of time. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll chat with you again soon. Kevin Charity on our Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. Wrap up some of what Kevin said and get to an Italian Paul Rindle report with a huge <laughs> college basketball upset coming up next on Ben and Woods. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 